You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Jess Karn, Jason Juti, and Jess Karen, Jesse Bungle, identified as the victims of that double homicide in Surrey. The pair just 16 and 17 years old. Good evening and thanks for joining us. The age of the victims making the crime all the more shocking. The teens' bodies found at the side of a road last night with gunshot wounds. Grace Key has more on this troubling story. And Grace, police say, well, they believe this was targeted. The victims were not known to them. That's right. The officer saying that uh, neither of the victims were known to police. Now their bodies were found just on this real stretch of road behind me here. You can see police officers still at the scene. So this is still an active police scene here. They've cordoned off both uh, the stretch of road and the entrances here as investigators try to determine exactly what unfolded. Two victims of the area's latest gun violence, all the more tragic, considering just how young they were. They've been identified as 16-year-old Jess Karn, Jason Juddy, and 17-year-old Jess Karen, Jesse Bangal, in grades 10 and 11, and both in the Surrey School District. They were good people. Like, they were always nice. They were always nice and kind of people. Jason, he was always a nice guy. And he was really smart. He was a really smart guy. They were found just after 10.30 Monday night on this rural stretch of road along 192nd Street and 40th Avenue in Surrey. Their bodies lying on the side of the road with gunshot wounds. One neighbor describes the gunfire. Bang, 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 bang. And then two cars went roaring from uh, 184th up towards 192nd Street. One was uh, black and white and the other was uh, yellow or orange color. Two cars were set on fire around the same time. The first was reported at 9.46 p.m. at 184th Street and 29A Avenue. The second, a Honda Accord, was reported at 11 o'clock at 177th Street and 93 Avenue. Both teens were not known to police, but investigators believe this was a targeted incident. These are two young men, 16 and 17-year-olds, that are now victims of homicide. Um, I hope the community uh, takes note of that and how serious this is. The Surrey School District made grief counselors available as students and parents struggle with the death of two teenage boys. What a waste. What a waste of brilliance and everything else. What a waste. That's all I can say. It hits home. It's really different when it's people that you know, people that were from your school in your life. All right, Grace. Investigators believe this was targeted. So what do we know about a possible motive? Yeah, they're saying it's too early to comment on a motive, but they do believe that there are people out there who have some information as to what happened here last night, and they're asking those individuals to come forward. Sophie? All right, thanks for that, Grace Key in Surrey. Now, it is clear there is still much to learn about the murdered teens and how their lives led to this. IHIT, as we know, calls their deaths targeted, but stops short of saying the victims are connected to gangs. That said, experts say it does have all the hallmarks of drug and gang violence. Kids Play is an organization dedicated to steering youth away from gang life and helping those inside escape. Its founder says the violence will not stop until more of us, especially parents, take a much larger role to make sure youth stay away from drugs and violence. We can no longer take this uh, metaphorical uh, ostrich with the head in the sand approach. Uh, I think the, up to this point it's been very apathetic 
uh, disconnected approach by the community and by parents in general, where they're under the impression that conventional institutional uh, approach, such as the schooling system, will take care of these issues. That's not the case anymore. Parents need to get involved with their kids, especially uh, from my perspective in the Southeast Asian community. And we've included more about the Kids Play Foundation on our website, globalnews.ca slash bc. Taylor Van Deest's killer, Matthew Forster, sentenced today to life with no chance of parole for 17 years. Forster pleaded guilty in March to second-degree murder in connection to the killing of the Armstrong teen back in 2011. Van Deest had been walking to a Halloween party in Armstrong when she was attacked. Taylor's mother spoke to reporters about the decision outside the courthouse today. His letter of apology, not once did he mention Taylor's name. And in my eyes, I just saw that as him still not accepting responsibility when he can't even say her name. He referred to her as our loved one. And I think that spoke volumes. Um, I don't think he feels remorse. The judge felt, oh yes, I think he probably does. No, no, I don't believe he does. The sentence means Forster will be eligible for, eligible for parole in April of 2029. WorkSafe BC is investigating a tragedy on the North Shore this morning. A 24-year-old construction worker lost his life, crushed by a dump truck. It happened at a worksite near Hansworth Road and Timberline Place. The coroner and RCMP are also investigating. Parents and staff of a much-needed daycare in Burnaby are in a panic tonight. After 20 years in the same location, they have less than a month to find a new space to operate. John Waugh explains why their sudden eviction is especially surprising, given the source. One little, two little, three little sons. 20 years ago, when Sir Andrew's Child Care Centre found a space in this Burnaby Church basement, it was a match made in heaven. Together, we brought this community together, helping families that were in need. Now, the not-for-profit says it doesn't have a prayer of staying open, with Central Christian Assembly kicking them out at the end of the month. No reason has been given at all, just that the church has decided that they will terminate our lease as of June 30th. Okay. Alex Young says finding childcare spaces is hard enough. Losing this one is absolutely heartbreaking. What are we going to do with our kids? Because we have less than 30 days, summer camp programs, everything's already been booked out for months. Making matters even worse, Sir Andrew's rates are about 30% lower than most daycares, leaving parents fighting to make ends meet with few options. We've had parents come in crying, distraught, asking me what they can do, and I don't have any answers for them. Sir Andrews thought it filled out a new lease in April and even started paying rent, only to find out the church never signed. The fact that a landlord has collected rent can be strong evidence that the landlord has agreed that there is a valid lease between the parties. Lawyer Michael Drulard doesn't represent either side, but says commercial tenants don't have a lot of protection. Unlike the Residential Tenancy Act, commercial leases are not regulated in its many respects like the Wild West. Global News reached out to Central Christian Assembly for comment, but our calls were not returned. This type of treatment, it's the, this is the last place I would have expected that from. Staff and parents say the church's actions border on being unchristian. And I just feel that they are not living up to that. And at the very least takes the name of a good landlord in vain. John Hua, Global News. 
Some good news to report about a stolen dog we told you about on last night's news hour. Surveillance cameras at the New West SkyTrain station captured this woman around 6.15 p.m. last Friday walking away with Jackson, an 11-year-old Brussels Griffin Chihuahua mix. Well, Jackson has now been found, located last night in Vancouver and returned to his grateful family. Officers say the criminal investigation into the dog's disappearance is ongoing. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau in B.C. today discussing the Trans Mountain Pipeline. The PM meeting with a group of Indigenous leaders charged with monitoring construction of the project. Keith Baldry has more on what was discussed and Trudeau's road trip to shore up support for the pipeline. This is a Chiam First Nations reserve near Chilliwack, where some members see building the Kinder Morgan Pipeline as a way of improving the economic challenges they face. So it was no coincidence the Prime Minister came here to begin his sales job touting the pipeline his government is now willing to buy. This committee has been set up so that all the different communities uh, along um, this uh, Trans Mountain Expansion Pipeline uh, route, for example, uh, are able to weigh in and uh, participate in the decisions that are made that will affect them as we move forward. The committee he referred to is the Indigenous Advisory and Monitoring Committee, which intends to be an overseer of sorts over the pipeline, which he agreed must be built with First Nations interests as a top priority. But I think we can all agree that as this project moves forward, it's important uh, that it be done right that it be done in a way that minimizes concerns and negative impacts, that maximizes benefits and partnerships, and that we move forward in a way that is grounded in uh, this spirit of reconciliation. GM First Nations Chief Ernie Cray, who supports the pipeline, said the meeting with the Prime Minister was a productive one. The, the meeting was excellent. And Cray says the pipeline has strong backing by many, but not all, First Nations here who have signed economic benefits agreements with Kinder Morgan to see it built. Keep in mind that there are a lot of First Nations, so a total of 43. But not everyone on hand was happy, of course. The inevitable pipeline protesters showed up to make their point as well. Instead of investing some $15 billion into uh, uh, a dying industry, that $15 billion plus should be invested in clean energy technology and infrastructure. Pipeline protesters will likely dog the Prime Minister whenever he travels to BC in the future, as the battle over the pipeline will likely be fought for quite some time. Keith Baldry, Global News. A renewed push tonight to ban horse-drawn carriages from Victoria Streets. The SPCA making that recommendation following a concerning incident last month that was caught on video. Kylie Stanton has more on what happened and how it could affect the popular tourist attraction. Come on, come on, Matt, let's go. Come on. Oh, my God, oh, my God. Bucking as it struggles to get to its feet. Tangled in a harness, the horse eventually gives up. This goes on for more than five minutes. Handlers trying to pull the animals by the reins. People watching jump in to try and help. All of it captured on video by a cruise ship tourist. It's disgraceful to see this. The carriage industry had no control over the situation or what was going on and uh, put the public safety at risk and that of the horses as well. The footage taken early last month at the entrance to Ogden Point is making the rounds. I felt a little bit sick and so yeah it was hard to watch. And so the BCSPCA has taken action. 
sending a letter to mayor and council stating the BCSPCA recommends council prohibit the operation of horse-drawn carriages and trolleys on Victoria's streets, limiting their operation to the safer park environment. What we're asking for is something that allows the carriage companies to continue to operate, but in a safer environment for the horses. Victoria Trolley Tours, the company involved, did not return our calls for comment today, but at the time of the incident released this statement, saying both horses fell to the ground where they remained calm and waited for their handlers to remove their harness. Once they were given the okay from their team, the horses easily stood and walked back to their staging area. The video appears to show that was not the case. It's now up to the city to decide how to handle it. I rely on the experts to to give me direction. This is now a different direction that I'll have to consider. You have people pulling their tails. Advocates appreciate the endorsement, but will continue to push for an outright ban of the industry. Give him his hand. So there's no chance of something like this ever happening again. This is five minutes of video that shows exactly what we've been talking about all this time. It's not something that we should have in our city, whether it's in parks or on the streets. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. Right now, though, those peafowl that roam free in a Surrey neighborhood have gone from being mascots of a sort to a nuisance for some to a full-blown police incident. Aaron MacArthur tells us why one homeowner was actually arrested for his treatment of the birds. This peacock call has become the focal point for a neighborhood spat that has spilled into the streets. Fed-up neighbors say a man is feeding the birds, keeping them as partially domesticated pets. Last night, the RCMP was called out to deal with him after bylaw officers tried to serve him with a $250 fine. Frustration is quite high right now, and it's a very tense situation. While complaints are piling up at City Hall, there are an equal number of people that love the birds here. A quaint feature of an otherwise unremarkable Surrey development. Yeah, we love peacocks. Uh, that's where we buy a house in this area. The situation became less cute last month. When one homeowner hacked down a giant fir tree in his backyard, he's facing legal action from the city now. And the people down the street say the complaints have gone back almost a decade, while the poop piles up on their decks and in their gutters. They know everything, so why they want to keep asking the same thing again and again? The city has been to this property half a dozen times, but the man who owns the house wouldn't speak with us. Someone on the property who wouldn't give us his name claims the giant bird feeder and the cages have nothing to do with the peafowl. And then what's that next to you? Huh? What's that next to you? Feed the crows. The crows. Yeah, you can feed wildlife. You can buy birdseed. You can put it out. It's mating season, and that has ramped up the tension in the neighborhood, both for the people and the birds. The peacocks are strutting, challenging other males, (laughs) even if it is just a reflection in the mirror finish of an expensive car. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. And Delta police tweeting about their own wildlife experience. Officers were called out to remove a possum from a shower. They tweeted that there weren't many options for them for marsupial extraction, but they did manage to get it out safely. And they noted that the possum was highly displeased by the whole thing. The changing face of consumer demand is on display this week at a major conference in Vancouver. Linda Aylesworth tells us how more and more companies are coming to realize that sustainability is the key to business survival. I'm going to place this on the podium and it's going to activate a brand story. 
The plastic used to make this bottle was... Welcome to Sustainable Brands 18, a convention being attended by nearly 3,000 international businesses this week at the Vancouver Trading Convention Centre. The goal is to shift the global economy to uh, be sustainable. And the, the reality is that the way that we are operating as a global economy now is not sustainable. Saving the world is one incentive for companies to become more environmentally and socially responsible. So are sales. We believe that if we can deliver products that consumers want for performance and also for the environmental benefit, they will reward us for, with their business. Procter & Gamble is reducing packaging, improving product recyclability and helping consumers save energy by formulating cold water detergents. Over at Keurig, makers of the convenient but infamously unrecyclable K-cup coffee pods. Now we're proud to announce that by the end of 2018, all of our K-cup pods will be recyclable. You compost your coffee grind and you put this in your blue bin. 90% of plastic waste in the ocean comes from just 10 rivers in the world, mostly in developing nations. Renewlogy's solution? This is a small-scale system we've developed to chemically recycle um, plastics that are ocean-bound. Renewlogy has created a mobile solar-powered system that can convert otherwise valueless plastic waste into fuels and waxes. The goal, to station them along rivers in poor nations, encouraging locals to pick plastic up. They would bring their plastics to the central place where this is located and they would be rewarded based on how much end product the material um, created. You're going to save the world. We're trying. <laughs> Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Well, a warning for anyone who booked a vacation with a Richmond travel agency. Our Consumer Matters reporter, Andrew, joins us with details on this one. And yeah, it's accused of breaching travel regulations. Thanks for that, Sophie. Action Travel's license was cancelled effective May 28th. And while the company may be officially out of business, Consumer Protection BC suspects it may be doing business from an undisclosed location. On April 19th, Consumer Protection BC inspectors found Action Travel's Richmond address on Chatham Street vacant, even though no change of address was indicated when the company's license was renewed in March. The consumer watchdog yanked Action Travel's license for allegedly breaching travel regulations, including failing to report a change of address and failing to provide financial reports for 2015, 2016 and 2017. The company has another address in Burnaby where a woman gave us a phone number for the owner, Rav Brar. Are you currently operating without a business license right now? Uh, I just, uh, uh, last week I got a Surrey location license from uh, Surrey City Hall, right? So, like uh, tomorrow they will uh, do all uh, inspections. Also, I will provide uh, consumer protection all the work. Now, Brower also says she plans to reopen her travel agency in Surrey and denies Consumer Protection BC's claim she may have been conducting business from an undisclosed location. We urge you to double check your bookings, call your hotel, call your airline, anyone else that you've booked travel with just to make sure that the reservations have been made and paid for. And we want consumers to know not to do business with an unlicensed travel agent because if something goes wrong, they don't have the protections anymore. 
Now, those protections include the Travel Assurance Fund, which is a compensation avenue for consumers who purchased travel but did not receive their vacations. But it's only available if you booked with a licensed travel agency. Still, Action Travel's owner says she has no debts to clients and will provide the new address and all paperwork to Consumer Protection BC within a week or so. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can email me at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. All right. Thanks for that, Anne. An implosion brings down what's left of the historic Harrison Avenue Bridge in Scranton, Pennsylvania. The span had been a gateway into the city for nearly 100 years. The demolition crew had to put up protective barriers to keep the new bridge from being damaged. Another tragedy in the fashion industry, the apparent suicide of an internationally known designer. The body of 55-year-old Kate Spade was found this morning by a housekeeper in Spade's Park Avenue apartment. Her husband and business partner Andy Spade was in the apartment at the time. The company she founded, Kate Spade New York, has more than 300 retail stores around the world. It's reported that Spade left a suicide note, which in part told her 13-year-old daughter that it wasn't her fault. An historic day in Saudi Arabia. The kingdom is issuing its first driver's licenses to women, three weeks before it lifts the world's only ban on women driving. The first 10 women who were issued licenses already held driving permits from other countries, including Canada. But other women across the kingdom have been taking driving courses on female-only college campuses. And some will even become drivers for ride-hailing companies, such as Uber. Donald Trump is stirring up controversy yet again today, holding a Super Bowl ceremony after announcing that he had disinvited members of the Super Bowl-winning Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles players, though, not backing down, accusing the White House of lying. It's a star-spangled ceremony, the White House calling it a celebration of America, but that was not the original plan. We love our country, we respect our flag, And we always proudly stand for the national anthem. Notably missing, the Philadelphia Eagles, the reigning Super Bowl champions, disinvited by President Trump from a ceremony celebrating them. The Eagles are still world champions, Mm -hmm. regardless of where they're going today. The president targeting NFL players who kneel during the national anthem, writing they disagree with their president because he insists that they proudly stand. But not one Eagles player took a knee during this past season. Look, if this wasn't a political stunt by the Eagles franchise, then they wouldn't have planned to attend the event and then backed out at the last minute. While the White House says the Eagles abandoned their fans, a source tells NBC News the president made the switch to avoid public embarrassment of the 81 players. Planning to attend, all but 10 pulled out. Nobody was really going to show up, or very few players, uh, as was reported, fewer than 10. And so that would have been unprecedented. The White House championship photo op is a years-old tradition, more about team pride than politics. But President Trump himself has personally stoked the kneeling controversy. Out, he's fired. He's fired! Now, the president, using his home team advantage, turning a failed photo op into a chance to score some political points. Blaine Alexander, NBC News, Washington. In Health Matters tonight, a sobering new report on women's health from the Heart and Stroke Organization. The report says strokes pose a greater burden to women than men. And with gaps in the health care system, women need to be their own advocates. 
31-year-old Jessica Shira has always led an active lifestyle, but it was during a visit to the gym four years ago that Shira's health took a turn for the worse. I put down the skipping rope and it felt like an elastic band like snapping in my neck and instantly um, my eye vision went blurry. Shira was months away from her wedding. Doctors diagnosed her with migraines and anxiety, but over the course of a week, she lost mobility in her fingers and arms. It wasn't until her third hospital visit that tests revealed she had suffered 20 mini strokes. I just remember thinking, what is a stroke? I don't even know what that is or what that means. And I thought that was something that happened to like old men. Raise your arms up in the air for me. The campaigns for stroke awareness do most often feature men, but doctors say the reality is women are hit harder. Women and men have strokes at the same rate. Women are just one-third more likely to die and have much worse outcomes after stroke. One of the reasons, women may wait too long to get help. We know that after stroke, about 1.9 million brain cells die per minute. Women on average will wait seven and a half hours to seek care. A healthy lifestyle and diet can help prevent a stroke. The Heart and Stroke Foundation also offers an online tool to assess your risks. And getting help quickly depends on knowing the FAST symptoms. A FAST is an acronym for face. Is it drooping? Arms, can you raise both? S is for speech. Is it slurred or is it jumbled? And T is for t time. Time to call 911 right away. Had I let you know somebody convinced me it was migraines or that I was anxious or something like that and I wasn't at the hospital at that time I I may not have recovered so I'm just so thankful that I listened to myself after surgery and several months of rehabilitation Shira has a clean bill of health Tanya Beja Global News Another renouncement today from the NDP government as it overhauls BC's healthcare system. Health Minister Adrian Dix announcing the addition of 50 clinical pharmacists who will be integrated into primary care networks across the province. The pharmacists will work directly with patients who have complex conditions. They'll work closely with physicians and nurse practitioners in primary and community care to help people manage their prescriptions prevent medication-related fatalities, and ease the daily challenge of living with complex health issues. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. It's become Vancouver's architectural equivalent of the flying car, promised and predicted many times, but never quite becoming a reality. So whatever happened to the plans to build a public park on the roof of the Vancouver Public Library? Ted Chernecki has the latest. If one looks skyward while standing in the Vancouver Public Library's atrium, one can see that they've become increasingly noticeable. Once mere saplings, they are now large trees, but with foliage that's never offered the general public respite from the summer sun. The public's been asking ever since, where is that promised garden? Our two biggest questions here are, where's the rooftop garden and where's the quiet reading room? And so once these spaces open in September, we'll have those two answers. In fact, the garden was finished and has been on the roof since opening day 23 years ago. Just never open to the public. The project ran out of money and the top two floors had to be leased to the province. Five years ago, that lease expired, opening up an opportunity to finally fulfill the promise. Is that something you, you would use? Yeah, totally, especially in sunny days. Yeah, it's good. Yeah? If I can go, yeah, it's good. Not just a rooftop park. As this model shows, those top two floors previously leased are also being renovated and open to the public at a cost of about $16 million. 
So along with the rooftop garden, there are two outdoor terraces on the eighth floor. There is a 77-seat theater where we'll be able to show community film festivals and have movie events as well as author readings and panel discussions. We have a quiet reading room, which is another big desire of people in Vancouver for this library. Because the rooftop is still a construction zone, our cameras weren't allowed access. But as you can see from our chopper shot today, this project is all but finished. And whereas once promised for a March opening, it'll now likely be September, just 23 years late. Ted Schnecke, Global News. No longer a beauty pageant. The big changes coming to the Miss America competition right after the forecast. All right. Miss America. Yeah, for sure. It's a long time coming. Yep. Meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us now with our forecast in a lovely picture. Yes, this is from Kamloops from last night. Haley sent us this one. Two beautiful rainbows. If you're wondering, how does a double rainbow happen? Well, basically one rainbow is when light from the sun goes through a raindrop. It actually acts like a prism and it divides the light into its different colors. Well, uh, what happens with a double rainbow is that it's actually reflected in the drop twice. So it creates two different rainbows. So great. Thanks, Haley, for that one. That was last night. Now, this was the scene out there today. A lot more cloud today. You probably felt the difference. There was a lot of talk on Twitter today. Very cold. Lost and found. I'm looking for June. There's an October I found. Did anyone lose it? Hashtag cold. Hashtag weather. And if it's not October, you or it's not October you found, it's called January. LOL. And one last one here. Sure felt like late March when I went for a run this morning. And I would agree. Temperatures were certainly below average. We only warmed up to 17 degrees. But it's in the reason why it feels so cold is because we had nearly a month's worth of way above average temperatures. Much of May was in the 20s, 21 degrees across the region. Some areas uh, hitting even higher than that. So it's certainly feeling chilly out there along with the rain. Now, the showers are starting to ease off. The jet stream right now is driving right at the south coast. This is going to shift further north over the next couple of days. So northern part of Vancouver Island, central coast and north coast will get hit with rain and will start to warm up and dry out across the south. But this is going to shift back down towards us by late week and unfortunately just in time for your weekend. Expect it to get cool once again and we'll see unsettled conditions. This is your Wednesday, so there's the bulk of the rainfall further inland. Just a slight chance of showers into Prince George, but otherwise further south. Warm, these temperatures are above seasonal and it continues to be very dry in your region. South coast showers are further north, dry across the south. 21 to 23 degrees for Metro Vancouver. Two dry days on the way before the rain pushes back in on Friday. And as I said, yes, it's going to be chillier this weekend. Here's a look at our weather window. I thought I'd brighten things up with a beautiful spring shot from Tina McFarland. Thanks so much, Tina. Capturing a little bee there on the flowers. All right. Thanks, Christy. Well, the Miss America competition has decided one part of its show no longer fits in with the Me Too and Time's Up era. The field is squared off at 16 curvaceous finalists. After 97 years, current Miss America Kara Mund announcing on Twitter today that the competition has eliminated the swimsuit segment. Organizers saying the contestants will no longer be judged on their appearance. The change follows last December's scandal in which former Miss America officials used sexist comments to describe contestants and were replaced by an all-female leadership. Long time coming, but at least it's here. There you go. Uh, just a quick shout out to the person who's watching us. 
in the air. There's only one person watching? On a flight from <laughs> oh. Los Angeles to Vancouver. Wow. Streaming it. Streaming it yeah. on oh, an nice. iPad. Amazing. I just got a message about it. So, Really? So. I think you can do that on the Global Go app. I'm cool. Afraid to... All right, he's back. Are you sure? Actually, what did you say? I smelled like a second It now? is, yeah. Sorry, what? Did you say I smelled like I tea? I smelled tea somewhere. Oh. Well, is I drink a lot of tea. Is it coming out of my pores now? It's a pleasant smell, so it's okay. Oh, good. I'm glad of that. It's my new cologne. It's English Breakfast. English Breakfast Barnes. Here we go. Um, now, we've said this a thousand times. The fact an expansion team is in the Stanley Cup final is remarkable. And if Vegas can somehow rally and win the Stanley Cup, that would be epic. They're down 3-1 in the Stanley Cup final. And when you're down 3-1, it pretty much means it's a done deal, historically. The Knights are now getting the kind of bad bounces that the Kings, the Sharks, and the Jets got against them earlier in the postseason. Marc-Andre Fleury is not as good in goal as he was in the first three rounds. And for the first time in the playoffs, and therefore for the first time in their history, the Vegas Golden Knight players are getting frustrated because this series against Washington is going the Capitals' way, and it could end Thursday in Las Vegas. No, it's... Uh... Uh, it's playoffs, it's emotions, and uh, everybody gets frustrating if uh, something's in go uh, uh, their way. But uh, you know, uh, again, I think we didn't play, we didn't play our best game yet, and uh, we get results. So uh, we just have to continue to play hard, play smart, and uh, uh, get results out. The New York Islanders have fired general manager Garth Snow and head coach Doug Waite, meaning Lou Lamorello is firmly in charge. Now, he joined the Islanders from Toronto, but of course, he was the guy who built all those Stanley Cup teams in New Jersey. Even before hiring a coach, because now Lamorello is the GM, he will have to convince John Tavares not to go to free agency this summer and instead sign a long-term deal with the Islanders. Now, it's quite cool that Lamorello got this job, because it goes completely against the thought process in the NHL these days of hiring younger GMs and coaches. Lamorello is 75 years old. He's wise. He's like hockey's version of Yoda, except he's bigger than Yoda and he's not as green. Now, being a quarterback means you have to throw while people are trying to knock you on the ground. It also means you have to run away from those people who are trying to knock you on the ground. You have to be smart. You have to learn a different language, one thought up by the coaches. And every team, every football team, has plays and languages that are a bit different from the other teams. That's why being a quarterback is the hardest job in football, because basically they have to know everything. Training camp is when quarterbacks are taught all the new plays and also the code words that are used to describe them. Now, these code words are all in English, but unless you know the language, it's gibberish. Here's an example. This is a play the Lions might run this year. You know, quads right, uh, W, X, pile, R, skin, right? Let's go 665, W, buck, switch, while Foxy Cali backs right. Okay, well, that was clear as mud. But what that does is it tells every player where to go and what to do. And every play is assigned a number, which is what is on a quarterback's wristband. You know, they might call out a number, and we can read it. It's just a little easier than, you know, saying a 50-word phrase that we got to call out to the, to the team. How many plays does a quarterback generally have to remember? Oh, boy. I think right now there's 114 on our wristband. Left, tango, C. 
And of course, quarterbacks yell further instructions, perhaps even change a play just before the ball is snapped. What do these code words mean? Ooh, I can't tell you. I, know, I can okay. tell you, but I have to kill you. <laughs> okay, forget we asked that question. But basically, a play a quarterback calls in the huddle might be altered if he sees the defense is in a position to stop it. That's, that's the thing that I try to ingrain and instill in our guys, like let the defense tell you where to throw the ball. But a quarterback has very little time to make those kind of calculations. Oh, it is. And that's the thing, 20-second play clock in the CFL. So, uh, yeah, it, it goes fast. Uh, you really got to know what you're doing. You got to study. Hurry, hurry! Oh, yes, and you also have to be able to yell over crowds. You obviously can't play that position if you have a, a soft voice. Oh, no. No, playing quarterback, uh, we're hanging out. I drink tea and honey every single night at training camp because normally I lose my voice. Uh, so that's how I try to get in front of it. One more thing we learned about the language of the quarterback. Sometimes it can seep into everyday life. There's a sign that I drive by on Highway 99, and I see it, and it's, I think it says Mohawk Gas, and it's somewhere towards South Surrey. Anyways, that's a play. Like, so every single time I see, that's a play in an old offense, actually. So every single time I see it, I go, I go straight to football mode. Threw Manny a touchdown, 2010 against uh, Calgary, in Calgary, on that play. On the Mohawk gas On the Mohawk play. gas. BC Lions are back in front. That's the Mohawk gas. That's Mohawk that's gas. You just saw it. <laughs> okay, Novak Djokovic, Marco Kekinato, uh, quarterfinals. Djokovic lost the first two sets, wins the third. But in the fourth, long tie break. Before he got to that, though, he lost the lead he had. Djokovic did. So Kekinato will win. Upset. First two Ranked 72nd in the world in the final four. Oh, Gabriella Dabrowski of Ottawa and her partner in the mixed doubles final. She won the uh, mixed doubles title last year at the French Open. There you go. Coming up on ET Canada, Kim Kardashian makes history by being honored with a major award. Plus, 20 years later, how sex in the city revolutionized TV. And we're on the red carpet at the Toronto premiere of Superfly. That's all coming up at 7 right after the news hour. But for now, it's back to you, Sophie. All right. Thanks very much, Cheryl. Well, some tense moments for a Global News cameraman covering an overdose call in downtown Kelowna last night. While filming the story, he was charged by an unruly man with a broom. And while the situation had the potential to really go sideways, wait till you see how this interaction ends. Shelby Tom reports. In the midst of a drug crisis, Global Okanagan cameraman Jim Douglas rushes to the scene of an overdose in downtown Kelowna Monday night. But it quickly takes a turn for the worse when a man sprints towards him wielding an industrial-sized broom. Get the f*** out of here! Try to kick us out, man! Well, first it's how am I going to get out of this alive? Don't touch camera. The violent confrontation could have ended there, but Douglas quickly de-escalates the situation. Within moments, it became clear to me that he wanted to tell their story, that he wanted to tell his story. Nobody has a f***ing home, man. You think we want to choose this? No, I don't think you do. The broom-wielding man eventually calms down. We just need cheaper housing, because I'm trying my hardest for drugs, man. He says he's homeless and struggles with drug addiction, kicked out of rehab with nowhere to go. How the f*** am I ever going to do something for myself when they turn me away? He then apologizes for his violent reaction. I'm sorry if I came up and f- 
Douglas deciding to respond with compassion and understanding. If we don't shine a light on it, we'll never find answers. That's what they're missing in their lives. They, they need somebody to support them and love them and to um, guide them. The man even asks okay. for a hug. A lesson in kindness that we could all take away. He had settled right down and he had apologized to me. And so I had no problem giving him a hug. Shelby Tom, Global News, Kelowna. Oh, good for him. You know, those are photographers get put in some pretty yeah. dicey situations sometimes, and they always keep their cool. And uh, they shoot the story, but they also, as you can see, have And a lot of times they're by themselves, and yeah. they can't see behind them because the yeah. camera's right. on their shoulder. Or next to them. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So good job. Final word on the weather. And way to go for listening to a story. Exactly. Yeah, so two dry days. The next set for set of rain is on Friday. All right. We'll always have Friday. <laughs> That's it for us. Have a good night, all.